Ladies and gentlemen, it's time for Coffee and KOs. What's up, everybody? Welcome back to Coffee and KOs. We are here live. We're on Twitch. We're on Periscope. We are everywhere. Check us out. Steve, how are we doing? Doing pretty good. I was just thinking today, watching the Masters, I was like, if you were to ask me what's the complete opposite of watching UFC, it's probably watching golf. But I've actually been enjoying it. I don't know if you watch that too. I was just going to say, are you enjoying it? No, I do not watch golf. Um, nothing against it. Uh, I just, it's just not something I can watch. It's too laid back for me. There's not like, don't get me wrong. Like golf is a super hard sport. Um, but like, I feel like if you don't play golf, which I don't, you don't enjoy to watch golf either. So kind of, that's kind of the boat I'm in. Yeah. I feel you on that. It's just, you gotta now switch the gears. Masters is going all weekend, but we got to get ready for fight night. Yeah, I yeah, this fight night is going to be insane. But uh, before we get to that, we, we already did the live show last week, uh, Glover and Santos, but we can kind of gl- glimpse over it again. So, I mean, obviously, Chikese, big performance, nasty head kick, uh, knockout, or na- nasty uh, knockout. Um, yeah, it was a head kick. So that was nasty. The Taha Barcelos fight ended up winning fight of the night. That was incredible, that fight. Yeah, that was... Definitely by far the fight of the night. And it was, even though it was unanimous decision, it was 30 27 Barcelos the whole time. You still felt like the whole back and forth. Um, but Barcelos, uh, they were giving him a lot of praise. And he's on a, like an insane win streak right now. They're saying he could be actually one of the best in the division right now. Yeah, I mean, from what I saw, I thought he looked phenomenal. I thought he looked really, really good in all facets of the game. I mean, on the ground, he looked great. He looked great striking, so um, I was very, very impressed with him. Um, but I don't think it deserved fight of the night. Like it was one of the better, it was the top two fights. But I still think the main event. It's funny you get you had Barcelos Taha, which was a great fight. Then you had a snoozer in Bozer Arlovsky, which was oh my goodness, that was so bad. I mean, Bo- that was a chance for Bozer to like kind of cement himself, make a name. And he totally just did not take advantage of that fight. That was that was an awful fight. I remember our reactions on Saturday were like, what the hell are we watching? Yeah, and it, that was a, a big fight for us from a betting standpoint, too. And we're just waiting. I think you had the, the knockout of, for Bozard to take out Arlovsky. And really, at no point did I think he had him in danger. Did he land any like big shots? Uh, it was kind of all Orlovsky, just more volume. And yeah, like you said, it was Bozier's chance to he's, – he's got a little bit of momentum here. And he could have you know, defeated a really difficult opponent, made a bigger name for himself, make a statement out of this. And he just failed to do that. And I think a lot of people were disappointed. Yeah, I mean I was super disappointed because I'm, I, I'm one of those guys that was high on Bozier. Um, do I think like he's going to threaten like Stipe and stuff? No. But I think he's a he's a good fighter in that division, um, and he just that was his shot, and he now that sets him back because Arlovsky like beating him, it's it's not like gonna jump you into like the top five, but Arlovsky is still a good enough fighter that people are like, okay, you're legit now. Like this is this is like he's a gatekeeper. He's a gatekeeper. Um, he kind of like basically took Mark Hunt's spot when Mark Hunt left, and uh, yeah, I mean Bozer just looked awful. I've, I've never seen so many just pointless leg kicks. Like, the leg kicks just <laughs> weren't doing anything. And, and he wasn't even throwing them with intensity. It was literally just no. tapping his leg. It's, so I'm looking at the numbers right now, and Bozer actually, he outstruck Arlovsky technically. So he actually he threw 52 total leg kicks, landed 46 of them, which is a great percentage. Um, and that's more than Arlovsky landed in total strikes in general. But... Outside of that, there he had no other really volume. He threw 16 headshots, but he just never really landed. So you kind of question what he was doing the whole time. And we know Bozer, like you see him in his, his highlights, like he has like quick hands. He has really good speed for that division. But like the whole time, he, he just never made a move on it. 
Yeah, I, I don't. I, I just, I still just laugh because I just don't understand it. That fight was. It had the makings to be a pretty good fight, but typically, as you see in the heavyweight division, it just. You either have like these fights that are insane, or you get the snooze fest, Derek Lewis Francis Ngannou uh, type fight. And I'm not gonna say it was that bad. It wasn't that bad. But uh, it was bad. It was very, very boring. And and as a judge, the thing is, if you're a judge and okay, Bozer outstruck him, the judges don't see the the stats. But you're you're daydreaming because nothing is keeping your attention in that fight. Like nothing kept my attention the whole time of that fight. And like I guess from a fan, you're like, okay, this is a heavyweight fight, but they could clip each other at any point and it could be over. And you're just sitting there and you're waiting and you're waiting and you're waiting. And then when it's over, you're like, shit, that was terrible. Yeah, I think um, – and then when you look on the flip side earlier in the prelims, I don't know if, if you had caught in uh, Alexander Romanov's fight. Yeah. But, he, you know, he's 13-0. and 0. He had an awesome, like, weird, like, forearm choke that he subbed the yeah, guy on, yeah. which was awesome. Like, that, that's very rare to see that happen. But a, a ton of people love Romanov. He was a huge favorite in that fight. Um, so you talk about someone who has, like, more skills well-rounded in the heavyweight division who actually could – move up the ranks and maybe even challenge someone like Stipe. I think Romanov definitely, if you're talking about prospects, over Bozer at this point. Well, we need Romanov-Aspinall. We need that fight. That fight would be electric because they're kind of similar. Romanov is a nasty wrestler. And just think about how strong you have to be to choke someone out by just pressing your forearm in their neck. Uh, in the throat like that's that's incredible but but the prelims had everything the prelim we had a guy's ear fall off in the prelims which was ridiculous that was the nastiest thing i've listened mike perry's nose and alistair overeem's lip were like top two for me and that took the cake like that was the nastiest thing the dude's ear literally was just hanging by a thread i i thought that was hilarious because you i wasn't watching the prelims and uh, so, sorry, I think you cut out for a second on my end. But That's okay. Yeah, you texted me and you were like, bro, this guy's ear. And I was like, you know, not watching the fight. And I'm always like, oh, you know, like you can get cauliflower ear, like stuff like that's pretty crazy. But then when I went, go on Twitter and everything that's going viral is just this dude's ears just hanging off and it's a bloody mess. I was like, you always think you've seen it all. That is just like another layer to UFC. That was the probably the craziest thing I had seen since yeah, the I mean, split lip. Like, what else could happen at that point? Like, you have Mike Perry's nose was really bad, but like, unless someone's like nose falls off, we had Alistair Overeem, Overeem's lip just sit in there. Like, and then then you have the ear. Like, there's not much else that can just kind of like fly off your body unless people are just gonna start losing arms. I mean, Silva's Silva's leg was pretty gross. Um, but I feel like we've seen broken legs in o- other sports, so it, it kind of gets desensitized at this point. But, oh, my God, the ear, I think, takes the cake for me. Dude, we, I think that's a new uh, – not a segment, but a little news thing we can do there is a top five worst injuries in the UFC. And I don't – that's got to be number one, like, for sure. I, I've never yeah. seen anything like that. And, and the fact the guy wanted to keep fighting, like, that's <laughs> – that's just absurd. <laughs> if my ear fell off, I'd be like, nope, that's it. I'm retiring right now. I'm not, not – nonetheless, like fighting in the future, like I'm retiring for good. This is it. I feel like all the fighters always say like if you like break your hand mid-fight, like you don't feel it until you stop fighting afterwards. But like when you're in that moment and like the adrenaline's going, like you literally don't feel it. So I guess I'm not too surprised. Plus these guys are just absolute animals to begin with and I really do believe a lot of them just like – would die in the octagon yeah, but yeah that's that's insane if i saw that like if he's looking at like the megatron and he sees himself i'd be like dude call that fight i'm out of here yeah yeah the the, the prelims was great because you had the max griffin the ear snatcher he, that was a great fight then you had uh darren elkins with another ridiculous win i don't know if you saw that but he was like getting destroyed another darren elkins type performance he actually landed the most strikes but he wears the damage so ridiculous. And then, like, the third round, he just somehow has enough energy to pull off a rear naked choke, and he wins. That was absurd. You had the Romanov uh, forearm choke out. And then you had the the um, feature prelim, Trevin Giles against Bevan Lewis. And Trevin Giles looked phenomenal. And I think people forgot about him because of the whole thing with when he was supposed to fight Kevin Holland. And then I think he fainted in the back and... They found out he had like his heart had stopped for like a second, 
And apparently that happens often, which is very, very odd. But obviously he had to be medically cleared. And he looked incredible. He ended up knocking out Bevan Lewis, which is a tough fight. Bevan Lewis is a kind of like a prospect. Both guys kind of prospects. And that was an electric fight. So the prelims had everything. Yeah, I think you could argue the prelim was better than the main card. I, I could definitely see that. And I know I missed a lot of the fights, but I did get to see a few of them. Um, but I don't know. I just felt like the main card, like you had a lot. You had three out of five go to decision. One of those was a good fight. I thought like the the opener with Claudia and Jan uh, yeah, Chionin. I don't know what it is. It was a pretty good fight. Jan Chionin looked um, – she looks really good actually. I was very impressed with her too. People are saying that we could get a Zhang Wei Li, uh, Chionin, um, yeah, fight. the all China, the all China yeah. fight. Dude, China's kind of starting to come on the map when it comes to UFC, but we can get to the main event because, dude, Glover Teixeira, and and this is important because of where the light heavyweight is, like the 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 God, I was gonna say conference, the division is is at right now. Um, Glover Teixeira, man, and we said this last show last Friday. You cannot count Glover out. Everyone was going Santos. Everyone. You and I went Santos. Everyone's going Santos. Because if you look at the two guys, for one, Santos is a, is a monster. Then you, you take into to account his, his power. It's insane. And Glover Teixeira is better when he has zero brain cells left. Like, he does better when his brain is just swollen to, to max capacity. And he has no time to think. And then he just... Starts throwing submissions and beating the crap out of someone. And it's like, I wonder if he even remembers half the stuff he did. Because like he was out on like two or three different occasions in this fight. And he got better. It's insane. You cannot count Glover Teixeira out. And I think he poses a serious problem to Jan Blahovich. It's incredible. I would love to see a 41-year-old Glover Teixeira win the belt. Like I am all on the Glover train. They should not have booked the Adesanya-Jan fight so fast. They should have waited till this fight happened first. And I'm really, really upset because Glover being 41, we cannot keep this man waiting. Get him his – he's only had two title shots in his life. One was against – or one. He's only had one. He, he fought John Jones. He lost. They need this to happen. Like, let, let this man ride out in the sunset, get a dub, um, and, and win the belt. Got him on the Glover train. That got me excited. I know that we, we all had money on Santos. But how do you not love <laughs> Glover Teixeira? Uh, well, to be fair, I do think the Izzy fight was not booked yet because Jan wants to fight in March. Izzy doesn't want to wait. So they're actually – and I think even post-fight, Dana White was like, you know what? We might need to think about Glover getting the shot next. So I don't – maybe – did you see something that the Izzy fight was booked? I don't think it was like 100% no, confirmed. No, they just seemed like they were gung-ho on like this was definitely going to happen. I mean maybe they had the intentions that – that Santos was going to run through Glover and they didn't really want to see Santos yawn right away. I don't, I don't know. Um, but they should have not brought it up at all. Like I think, and personally, we, I'll let you get back to what you're saying, but I think that if, if Izzy's going to go up to light heavyweight, he needs like, he doesn't need yawn or, or like Santos. Like he needs, to, he needs like a test fight. And then I think fight John Jones or for the belt, like whatever he wants to do. But yeah, I don't know. I, I just felt like it was a little premature what they did. Yeah, I definitely agree, especially because they knew that this fight was coming up. So it was like, why are you going to jump the gun, say Izzy already got it? Then you basically make this – I mean it's going to be for the belt at some point, but it's just a little weird with the timing. But yeah, e either way, um, hilarious fight where like we're watching it and Santos lands like a few bombs on him. And you see Glover just kind of like start stumbling and he goes down. And like you were saying, like when he takes damage, he somehow like parlays that into like – some offensive weapon because he ended up getting the takedown. He just kind of like drops his head down and just goes into like bull mode. And uh, that happened on a few different occasions. So you cannot question his toughness. Glover, if he's able to take Santos's strongest punches like he did, um, you know, he can really take anyone's. And then you toss in the fact that he's an amazing wrestler. He has a great submission game. Um, he just really can do it all. And, and he can definitely pose a threat to Jan who we know he he's a well-rounded fighter as well, so I think that's going to actually be an awesome fight if that ends up happening. Um, but yeah, all the credit in the world to Glover. He's on an incredible run. I had said before I thought the Anthony Smith fight was a little bit not – I just didn't know where Anthony Smith really was mentally, and I, I was kind of discrediting Glover on that, but I was completely wrong. I thought Santos was going to come in here just hammering him sledgehammer style, which he did a few times, but he just – 
I don't know. He just looked uh, outclassed a little bit, and Glover got it done. So, yeah, all the power in the world to Glover. I love Izzy, but, dude, you got to give Glover the shot. He's 41 years old. Like, you got to give him the shot now, especially if it's going to be in March of next year. Yeah, and the other thing is with Santos, and I think this is where I was disappointed, is I was really disappointed in his fight IQ. There was two or three, like, I don't know how many knockdowns he had, um, but let's just say he had two knockdowns. I think it was more than that. I think it was like three or four. But after the first knockdown, he tried to go in for the kill, which is instinct. I get it. But after the first time he did that, Glover had him in a compromising position, and had there been more time on the clock, that fight was probably stopped earlier because Glover was raining down some disgusting ground and pound. So people forget that, but then... Like, the second time you knock him down, you need to just let him back up. He had the clear advantage on the feet. If you're knocking him down, like, you need to just kind of let him up, knock him back down, and kind of just keep going with that. Because cause Santos stopped the takedowns, I think, for the most part. It was, he got himself in his own danger by by trying to capitalize and finish the fight, which you can't hate him for. I guess it's not bad IQ, but, like, after the first or second time of that happening where... You know, you, you're going in for the kill and Glover survives and then now all of a sudden you're on the bottom and you're losing the fight. You have to just kind of let them up. Eventually, guys are going to take so much damage on the feet that we've seen refs stop it, stop it while it's on the feet. Glover doesn't necessarily have to go to the ground. If he's eating too many shots standing, not defending himself, it's going to get stopped. Um, so also cre- just credit to the ref for letting the fight keep going because there was a couple times where Glover had to eat quite a bit of shots on the ground to kind of get to the, the spot that he wanted. Um, but no, I just thought overall, like it was a little disappointing from Santos, just not kind of recognizing that. And again, you're in the heat of the moment. If I knock someone down in a fight, I'm probably going to want to go try to try to finish it. But I guess you kind of got to be smart about it and think, okay, if I keep this on the feet, good chance that I'm going to be able to kind of keep, keep knocking him down or, or put enough damage on him that eventually the ref's going to stop it. Yeah, I think um, it didn't help that you know his last fight was against John Jones, which is a while ago, because now he's recovering from those two knee injuries, and this is his first fight back, and it's a super difficult fight against Glover, who's been very active. Um, so that might have played a factor in it, but I definitely agree. Where, you know, I think uh, it's just Santos's style, where that he's just the, he's a finisher type. So when he smells blood, like he goes for that because that's just how he gets a lot of his his knockout wins like that's what he does um but i do think like you know after the first second time where you see okay if he actually gets me on the ground this is bad for me you gotta stay away from that so definitely fight iq was not in his favor um was it the second round too the end of the second round was he in like a rear naked choke and if that goes on for like five more seconds was it over yeah i think it was like the second round and the third round were the same exact round just more time yeah like the like, all right, so I'm looking at the stats, and they only gave Santos one knockdown. I thought I remember more than one knockdown. Um, and they actually I feel gave, like it was two at least. Yeah, and they gave Teixeira four takedowns, which I don't even remember the four takedowns. I remember, from what I remember on that fight, was Santos knocking him down and then trying to go in for the kill, and then eventually, um, you know, Teixeira switching positions, basically, and being able to to finish the fight or, or getting a, a more dominant position. That's how I remember it. I mean, I could be wrong. I didn't, obviously we don't go back and watch them right before the show, but that's kind of what I remember from the fight. Yeah, no, I, I definitely agree with you. Um, I don't know. That's, that's very strange, but either way, like it was, I just didn't feel good about it. Like after the first initial, like Santos hits him, he gets him in trouble. And then as soon as like the ground game gets utilized from Glover, you could kind of tell it was going to kind of go his way like the rest of the fight. So I don't know, man. Glover just looks very good. He jumped up. He's now the number one contender. Um, so no surprises there. And I don't know if you saw it, but now Santos, did you see who he booked with? Uh, Tiago Santos? Yeah, they already he's... booked him. Oh, really? I think I did see this, but I don't remember. He's fighting Alexander Rakic. Oh, yeah, yeah. I did see that, which is, I think that's a good fight for Santos only because Rakic doesn't, doesn't really wrestle. He can. He can. He's he's got it there, but he's more of a kickboxer. But maybe he goes in. He sees. Look, Santos cannot. Once he's down on the ground, he's he's pointless. There's, he can't do anything. Maybe he takes to the ground, ground and pound. Yeah, I think. Well, so in Rakic, Rakic or Rakic, Rakic. I say, ra- I say Rakic. 
Rakic's last fight was also against Anthony, Anthony Smith, Smith. And yeah. he, you know, we talk about like he isn't really a wrestler, but all of a sudden he just takes down Anthony Smith and holds him down at will. That is true, so, yes. It'll be interesting to see how that plays out. Now, that got confirmed for March 6th, which is right around where, you know, Jan said he wants to fight in March. So that's going to definitely, whoever loses that, I don't know what happens to Santos. He'll probably drop down a bunch if he if he loses that because that'll be three in a row. But if Rakic wins that, he's the next guy up, I think, in my opinion. Is Jan Blahovich the most beatable champion in the UFC now? Because, like, you look like he got, oh. he got destroyed by... Santos. Now, I, I don't like. I know guys go through ups and downs, so I guess you can't always take put too much stock into that. But I don't know. It's it's interesting. Uh, I, I love Jan. So I think when you look at that, it's a uh, you got Jan Blahovich, who just got in there. Piotr Jan, who just got in there, and then Volkanovski, who debatably looks he kind of lost almost. So like you could say he is beatable, but I would say it's between those three for sure. I agree. Damn, that's tough though. I don't. Yeah. I hate like saying that. Like, who's the most beatable? But it might be. It might be Blahovich, To be honest, he's the I, older guy. He's got some young guns up there. Yeah, I think the light heavyweight division is gonna. It has some killers coming. I think Dom Reyes gets a couple more fights under his belt. If as long as he develops, you know, he's still so one dimensional in the stand up. Like he needs to start working on a ground game. Um, you know, you got Rockich, who's really, really good. Uh, Prochaska, he's who's yeah. he fighting? He just got booked with someone yeah, too. Yeah, he got he? booked too. Um, God, I can't remember who it is now. That's it's supposed to be a really good fight though. That he's who he's fighting. Um, there's just so like the light heavyweight division is is on the come up finally. I mean, and uh, I just I'm just interested to see what happens with Izzy and John Jones now because I think that you have to get rid of Izzy. In that that fight, I think that at this point Glover needs the shot, and at that point, either Izzy stays and goes and fights a different light heavyweight, or he stays where he's at and just defends the belt against Robert Whitaker again. Yeah, if he if he's not willing, like Jan wants to wait till March, Izzy wants to fight now. So if that's just not going to happen, then it's got to be Whitaker round two. Or but, if John Jones hasn't gained weight yet, then maybe you make that fight now. But Whitaker doesn't want to fight till like later on. He he wants to. He oh. doesn't want to start training until after the holidays. He wants to spend the holidays with his family. So that kind of throws a, yeah. a wrench into things too. Oh, all right. Well, that'll be interesting to see because Whitaker is the next guy up. That's there's no doubt about that in that division. So that would kind of leave John Jones on the table potentially if he's if Izzy really wants to fight like now. Yeah, no, I I agree that or you got to give Izzy like uh, I don't know what other light heavyweight would he face as like a test before he goes against Jones or Jan or whoever's got the belt or whatever. I don't know what Izzy's plan is. Like, does he want to win the belt at light heavyweight or does he really just want to face beat, beat John Jones? Like, I don't I don't know really what it, I think it's a little bit of both, but it's kind of hard to tell. Yeah, I think he's he's looking for the legacy. So obviously, you know, you add the belt, so then he's a two division belt. Then you add in the fact that if he beats John Jones, that's also a legacy move. So like all three of those things would definitely improve his GOAT status 1,000%. Yeah, I, I agree. I think that'll be – it's it's going to be interesting. I, I like I like Izzy. So, I mean, I want to see him fight, and I hope he's back soon. He seems like a guy that – I mean, he stays active. I mean, that's why he, his rise up was so fast too. I mean, he would just fight all the time. Um, so I love that about him. And uh, so, yeah, hopefully Izzy's uh, back soon. Hey, uh, anytime he wants to fight, you know, that's a huge sell for everyone. I want to see that. You want to see that. Literally everyone wants to see Izzy fight. Just name the opponent and, like, we're all there. Is Izzy going to get Conor McGregor level? Um, That's so hard. Like, to become, like, a global icon like Conor did, like, that doesn't happen. Like, when you ask, like, People who don't even watch UFC, like Conor McGregor, is literally like top ten like athlete in the world. Like not even just UFC. Like he's just mm -hmm. well known, literally everywhere. And uh, I don't know, man. I, I think Israel can get there, but he, you know, you need to like promote yourself in other ways too. Kind of like how Conor did it with boxing, and now he has a business. Like you need to just like go outside of the UFC and kind of like get into some other different things. So I don't know what his career uh, looks like outside of the UFC but if he makes some moves similar to Connor maybe but I don't I don't think he's I don't think anyone can really get that big I, I the thing that I love most about Izzy is 
the fact that he was on the contender series the other day, cornering last two weeks ago, cornering one of his guys. Like, um, he is holding the the spit bucket. Like, Conor yeah. McGregor would have never done that in a million years. He loves no. Arnold Labov, and he would have never done that. Like, I just, <laughs> I just like that's the type of stuff that I love about Izzy. You could see he's like a hundred percent invested in in MMA and like what he's doing. And I think that's something. That's why, like, I like him so much because, yeah, he, he'll he'll flaunt a little bit, but like, he's a grounded dude. Like, he he's he's got his people. He's got like his like what he believes in, and like he doesn't seem like the guy that's gonna like waver from that. And I think that's why he's so likable. Like, his his confidence or his arrogance is not. It's not like over the top. It's it's like a perfect like he's he's cocky, but. He's also he's kind of like Connor. Like Connor has that too. Connor's you know humble and defeat all that stuff. Um, so those are guys that are just almost hard to dislike. I think the best thing about Izzy is he seems like a better person than Connor when it comes to like he doesn't seem like a guy that's going to really get in trouble or anything like that. He just seems like a genuinely nice person. Um, so I think that's the only thing that kind of separates those two. Yeah, it's uh, interesting. Like another person I think about is like John Jones. Like John Jones, like has an edge to him, like a very big competitive edge to him. But he also comes off way more like an asshole. Well, yeah, Con- yeah. And it, but like Connor, he talks a ton of shit, but he seems less of an asshole than John Jones, maybe. And then like you have Izzy, who's he talks shit a bunch too. Like his whole thing with Costa. I mean, that was like as bad as it gets from like a shit talking standpoint, then you throw in the fact that him and John Jones are going back and forth on Twitter and now they're bringing in like deceased relatives and they're just going like way over the top. Now you're like, okay, maybe is maybe is he an asshole also, but he just hasn't had anything really outside of the UFC, like from like a criminal standpoint, that's kind of putting him in that next level is like, okay, he's maybe a little bit more than just an asshole. He might just be a, kind of a bad person but i don't know i think is he he's he's like trending in that direction but i hope he doesn't really lose that because like you said he can be very humble and he is definitely very loyal and uh loves the game but i don't know like there's a everyone, fine line it seems like everyone in that gym is ridiculously loyal like they cheer each other on they're all you know all the yeah. aussie new zealand new zealand people um really really cool they're, they're their whole their whole like just everything about them is is really really cool and they're about to they're about to take over. I think they got some killers in that in that gym too. So um, yeah, I'm super super stoked for Izzy, and I just hope he doesn't kind of turn like a to a douchebag like Connor. <laughs> yeah, no, we don't need another one of those. Like, it de- but that's the thing. Like, it helps you sell. Like, when you have like that type of personality and you talk shit to everyone, and and you're just really smart in the way you talk and, and you're articulate, like that just elevates you to a whole another level. But you just don't want to go over the top and i don't think he will but we'll see yeah all right take us in the news steve what do we got uh so we we did talk about a few of the things um i don't know if we talked about amanda nunez yet have we nope we haven't that fight is now off her and megan anderson yeah man that's a bummer i uh, i don't think it was covid i think it was more of an injury i don't think they really came out with specifics i don't know if you saw anything but megan anderson had like reached out and was like i hope Amanda Nunez like recovers or something. So I didn't see any specifics though. My thing is, is she really hurt though? Or is she, you know, she just has a baby. She just got, had a baby, just got married. Like she's also just easily run through every single person that they put in front of her. Like, don't be wrong. I think Amanda Nunez loves to fight, but at this time, like I wouldn't be surprised if that fight gets booked for like early next year. I just think with the, the time, the holidays, everything that's going on, just having a baby, like, I feel like it was really bad timing like for her anyway i think that uh it definitely makes more sense for after the the new year so i really wasn't surprised or heartbroken by that fight getting um axed at the moment um and and listen i love megan anderson i think she's super super talented i love her fight style but i don't know that she matches up well with amanda nunez like i'm in ways like i'm almost bored to watch nunez fight because it's just such a cakewalk for her She's just so damn good that it's almost like boring to watch. It's like Khabib. Like we get excited because it's like, oh, is this going to be the guy that beats Khabib? But then when it gets back to it, like it's almost boring to watch him fight. And not that he's a boring fighter, but it's because it's just so easy. Like 
They're never tested, either one of them. And Amanda Nunes, if she fights someone who's really good on the feet, she takes it to the ground. If she's fighting someone who's good on the ground, she's going to knock them out on the feet. And it's like she's just that five-star MMA athlete, and I don't see her losing any to anyone in the near future. Yeah, I, I 100% agree. It's not like I was really excited for this fight. Um, but the, I think the biggest downside to it is now I think this was the same UFC 256 where Usman was supposed to fight. And now I don't think there's any headliners booked right now for UFC 256. Dana like, is I'm, kicking himself because he yeah. had Connor and Dustin in the bag. Connor wanted to fight in December. And Dana, no, 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 trying to, you know, be the big boss, man. And listen, I, lo- I like Dana White. I think what he's done is, is great, but... He had an opportunity to have a huge fight, and granted, it's going to happen anyway. But um, I think that that was a gr- that would have been a great way to cap off the year, and he didn't do it. And now we do we even have a main event for that? For that is that still the Figueredo Perez? Uh, no, fight? that's that's uh, that's next. That's UFC two fifty five next weekend. So right uh, now, I think there's literally oh, I think uh, Al Jermaine and Piotr Jan. Jan. That might there, be the headliner that. for two fifty six. And what about Kamzat? Is that is that the is that him on on two fifty five or are they two fifty six? Uh, it's not two fifty five because I have that up and I don't see it. So that uh, that was in December, so maybe that is booked for two fifty six as well. So there might be some hope there yet, but still, you know, they they could have had a lot more in this one, and we've just seen two title fights back out. But I think the Aljamain Yan fight will save it, which is good. Um, so that was obviously big news. I don't know if you saw Barbarina. He was supposed to fight Daniel Rodriguez, and then he had to get emergency surgery. Uh, I think he was having some heart issues too, which we kind of just talked about. Jeez. Seems to be kind of happening a lot more often than it usually does. I don't, maybe it just happens a lot, and I just didn't notice it. But that kind of stinks for him, you know. We definitely thought some prayers out to Barbarina. Emergency surgery—that's no good for anyone. Well, and Daniel Rodriguez just stepped in. So another guy backed yeah. out, and now he is fighting. Is he still fighting tomorrow? No, he's going to fight at UFC 255. Okay, Rodriguez is nasty. I love watching him fight. All his fights are exciting, so I'm, I'm happy. I, I was looking forward to him versus Barbarina because I think that would have been a great yeah. fight because Barbarina is a guy that can take 9 million punches to the face and just somehow stay standing. It's amazing. So uh, I was looking forward to that, but uh, no, I like Daniel Rodriguez. Yeah, and yeah, he's short notice, but I mean, he'll be ready to go. I think he fought not too long ago, but he's you know he's got a ton of power. He's a really good striker, so that'll be a fun fight. Um, and then we had we kind of talked about it. Santos and Rakic they got confirmed for March sixth. Another big match. I don't know if you saw this one was Overeem Volkov Super yeah. Bowl weekend headliner. That's a that's a good fight. Um, that's a good fight for both guys because Volkov's trying to kind of make his way back up. Overeem kind of keep riding the momentum. Uh, so, and it's where, where all the heavyweights are right now. I feel like that's the only fight that made sense because everyone's kind of booked up. So, uh, yeah, I like that fight a lot. I think that's an awesome fight. I mean, it makes the most sense. I know we were just talking about Overeem and we're like, can he make one more run at it? And I think we believe he can when we look at some of the competition in the top five. So Overeem's top, he is number five. Volkov's number six. Essentially, whoever wins this gets into the top five. If Overeem loses, I imagine – I don't know if he'll retire, but this that's kind of tough. You know, He has momentum right now, but if he loses this fight, that's going to take him back. And he's already, what, like 40 years old? So I don't know how much longer he'll go. Volkov well, Over- needs this though. Overeem wanted to run it back with Rosenstrike. So I saw him yeah. kind of talking on Twitter saying he schooled him for three rounds and then just wore one, uh, which he's not wrong. So – I don't know. Like I, I, I hate to see Overeem keep fighting like time and like tons of times to get to the belt. Like I would almost, I've almost would have rathered him fight Rosenstrike, and then if he had beaten Rosenstrike, face the winner of Ngannou and Stipe. Um, but either way, I don't think Overeem beats Ngannou or Stipe. We've already seen like Ngannou's knockout of Overeem was one of the nastiest knockouts ever. I feel like so. Uh, yeah, I don't know. Like I, I like Overeem, legend, uh, but I don't know. I don't. I don't see him. I, I think that he could beat Volkov. I do, mm-hmm. um, but 
once once you start getting to like blades with his wrestling and you get to to Rosenstrike with the power and I mean Derek Lewis is beatable and then you get to uh like I said Rosenstrike but then Stipe and got like they're just at this point they're just they're younger they're just a little bit quicker a little bit more well-rounded at this point. Um, well, not Ngannou, but Ngannou is just a freak of nature. But, yeah, I don't know. I, I love Overeem. I just don't see it working in his favor. And I think the Volkov fight is risky. I, I, I'm not, I think he can win it, but I'm not putting all my marbles in on uh, on Overeem saying he's going to win the fight. Yeah, I, I Volkov is a great fighter. Like, I'm, I'm a fan of his. Like, he's very well-rounded, but I do think he struggles against the wrestling type like what we saw with Curtis Blades. Um, but he does really good against people who are more just straight strikers because he can he can outclass you in that regard. Like he has the length. He's like six seven. His striking's awesome. Um, but Overeem, we've seen it. He has a ground game. He has power. I think he could definitely win this fight. I don't think either guy's going to win the title, so I don't think it really has too much significance. It's just a big fight, and it's the right fight to make. Um. So two other fights that were made, Gastelum and Heinisch, which we talked about a little bit earlier. Uh, this is an interesting move. Like Heinisch was supposed to fight. That fight got withdrawn, I think, because of COVID. And now he rebooks with Gastelum, with his, who is a huge, huge draw. Um, but Gastelum has been not so great recently. So this is actually supposed to be more of a bounce back for him. Yeah, well, my opinion. I, te- I text you at first. I text you. I was like, "That's a huge jump for Heinish." And then I'm thinking about it, and I'm like, "It is a huge jump for Heinish as far as names, but it almost is a is a more important fight for Gasolum based on yeah. his record lately, um, and and how he's fought. So, and Gasolum struggles with the guys that wrestle and can throw up submissions. So he takes another fight with Heinish, who likes to stay on the feet, but he can wrestle too. So I don't know if I. I I think that Gastelum will come in as a pretty heavy favorite. I would not waver away from throwing a couple of bucks on Ian Heinish in this fight just based on um, Gastelum's recent struggles. So, um, yeah, I don't know. I, I'm not going to say I dislike it, but definitely it's it's booked to be a bounce-back fight for Gastelum. Yeah, I, and I'm I like I'm a Gastelum fan. Like when he fought Izzy, I mean, oh, that was, was incredible. Probably- that was the most adversity Izzy has ever faced. It was against Calvin Gastelum, who we've seen just randomly just on this weird – like he just is on a skid. Like he got submitted by Hermanson in what, like a minute? And I forget what his fight was before that, but he just hasn't really had many good performances recently. So the name, it's a big draw, but a tough opponent in Heinrich. So that will be interesting. And then uh, just one other one that I saw, fan favorite. The guy's been around forever. It's Cub Swanson. He's taking. He's back. He's fighting Daniel Pineda. If you remember his fight against um, Herbert Burns, yeah. Do you when remember that fight? Him. And he just destroyed him. Like you know, the Herbert Burns is a great was... grappler, but yeah, he just completely took over, and the ground and pound was incredible. So that that's for UFC 256. That would be a fun fight. I love Cub Swanson, dude. Who do you? Who, how do you not love Cub Swanson? Just comes out. Yeah. His fight against Duho Choi will still go down as one of the greatest fights ever. Like that fight was insane i think i'm pretty sure that one fight of the year a couple years back was a absurd absurd fight yeah i've only seen him fight a few times um just since i've been watching ufc i I don't think he's been super active but i've seen him fight a few times and i just know he's been around forever huge fan favorite um so that'll be a really fun fight to watch no 100 percent he's Um, just one of those guys that just uh he just loses like all his losses are just to like just a top tier yeah talent guys like it's just you know that's just the way it goes. So um, yeah, I'm a huge, uh, huge um, Cub Swanson fan. That's all I had on my news, and I don't know if you had anything else to toss in the mix there. No, I don't have anything. Do Do you want to do the uh, Twitter Twitter poll question? Yeah, we can do the Twitter poll question because it it kind of leads into the picks. Um, but because I, I was basically going through just like doing my research, and I just noticed that there was just a ton of like awesome nicknames in this card so i just kind of had to toss it out there and just see who had the coolest nickname of everyone um so i'll read off the four of them i don't know if you saw them or not but i'll read off the four i i voted and i'm two of two of them did not get any votes which i was a little surprised about so the first one is the cuban missile crisis second one was judo thunder 
Third one, the Ox Fighter, which is just kind of absurd. And then the fourth one is The Hobbit, which is hilarious. So I don't know which one jumped out to you. Like I thought for sure Judo Thunder would get some love, but I knew the Cuban Missile Crisis would would probably take the cake. So that actually had 80% of the votes. And then there was only a few votes on The Hobbit, but no one picked Judo Thunder or The Ox Fighter. I didn't know which one you thought was best. Oh, I chose the Cuban Missile Crisis. I mean, that is yeah. just the most badass name out there right now. Wild. As far, like <laughs> at least on this card, yeah, that is a that is a that's an awesome name. I mean, that's that's intimidating. Like if you if I'm going to fight someone and I hear this guy's nickname is the Cuban Missile Crisis, like good lord, you could best believe I'm gonna be kind of scared because that's. I mean, the guy's literally saying he's just gonna kill you. Basically, I don't I don't know. It's yeah, it's dude, this, intimidating. And it's, it stinks because. He's not going to fight. He was part of the, um, you know, Safarov had oh. weight cut issues, so he didn't. He's not able to fight, and unfortunately, the Cuban Missile Crisis will not be making an appearance, um, which is just a total bummer. But few of the others, yeah. It's, I don't know if this is updated or not, but there's only four main fights in the yeah, card. Yeah. They have Brendan Allen Strickland as a prelim, as the the main prelim, but I, I feel like that should jump up. So there's five main card fights but maybe not we actually we have a lot of guys coming back so ashley yoder fights we haven't seen her in a while uh reese mckee's fighting i think for the first time since he lost to shamayev um louis smolka comes out and he's he's fighting he hasn't fought in a while random random marcos, marcos. um Dontel so, mays dude that's uh lord kong he has a sick name too <laughs> straight right, so knockout power guy Oh, Tony Gravely, he's from uh, Contender Series, pretty good wrestler. He's been around forever. That that fight jumps out to me. That fight might be really, really good. So a lot of good prelims on, on this card. As far as picks to make, though, for today, this is simple. This is a simple day of uh, choosing choosing fights here. Actually, so, no, they moved the Brennan Allen fight. It is on the, it is on the main card now. It is? Yes. All right, are you on ESPN? No, UFC. Okay, so I'll trust that more. So is it? Is that the opener? No, that is actually the third fight. Is it Anders opening? Anders is opening, yes. Your boy? Yeah, All right. So well, we can get order. into that. So our boy and your boy, Eric Anders, <laughs> is uh, going to lead off the main card this, this weekend. And uh, unfortunately, he missed weight. We won't hold anything against him for that. But he missed it by two and a half pounds. Comes in at 187 and a half. Um Listen, we can't. All right, so we just gotta say we don't choose against people that have been on the show. So we're not picking against Eric Anders. We're all taking Eric Anders. All right, but I'm a little worried because this year when a guy has missed weight, they have not performed well. That's kind of been the running theme of 2020 in the UFC. If a guy misses weight, um, like uh, I think it was Felder or it might have been Cormier. Most of the time, there's a reason they miss weight. There's some sort of injury that isn't bad enough to force them out of the fight, but could cause them to not train as much. Um, there's, you know, there's just a lot of factors in it. So um, I'm a little worried because Eric Anders did miss weight, and I don't want him to lose, obviously, because we are an Eric Anders podcast. So a little bit worried. He does come in at the minus 130 favorite. He hasn't fought in a while. Who was his last fight against? Um, I actually don't have it up. I only have that he's two and three in his last five, but it, I know it's been a while because when we talked to a member, he said he was dealing with an injury. I think it was related to his eye, wasn't yes, it? Yes. So yeah. no, go ahead. If you want to make your pick first. Oh, I mean, I'm going to go Eric Anders. Uh, you know, he's got some lethal, um, striking. He's a guy that he can get the takedown. I mean, former linebacker, he can, he can wrestle someone down to the ground, but he prefers to keep the fight standing, um, but the man he's facing has got some some good striking. I mean, he's he's got almost a 70% significant strike accuracy, which that is one of the higher ones that I have seen. Um, I haven't seen a Royal fight. Too, I don't know that I've seen him fight at all. He, he It's a close fight. He's plus 110. Um, I'm going to go, obviously, I'm going Eric Anders, and I'm going to go by TKO. Yeah, I thought it was interesting. I was looking at, uh, Andrews is just like previous fights and I remember just like watching like his like highlight clips and just seeing him just basically bull rush people take them down with ease 
Um, and he did that against Tiago Santos back in 2018. He had six takedowns. Now, Santos wins that fight, but, you know, that's a very impressive stat to have, six takedowns. But he hasn't, pound, baby. he hasn't scored a takedown since that fight. It's been five fights, and he hasn't had a takedown. So I don't know kind of what's going on there. If he's just uh, not relying on that, he's just trying to strike a little bit more. But I think he needs to go back to that, back to his old ways, get some more takedowns, get the ground and pound going. I am going to take him by TKO, just thinking he is going to go that route. Um, but just a little bit about Arroyo. He actually won Dana White Contender Series twice. Did not get the first one. He didn't get a contract. Um, but he ended up getting the second one. He had a submission win in 2019. Uh, he's 0-1 in the UFC. But he is pretty he well-rounded. Uh, I don't think it was anyone noteworthy. I don't have it up right now. But... Um, you know, he's not super experienced either. He's only 9-3, and three, but two Dana White Contender Series wins, that's pretty impressive, but he is 0-1 in the UFC. But yeah, Anders TKO, without a doubt. It wasn't even a question. Let's go, ya boy. We're pulling for you. I'll probably Instagram live or Twitter live or whatever during your fight. Don't let me down. We got this. Um, next fight on here, we got Kay Hansen versus Corey McKenna. Kay Hansen, I believe. Oh no, we follow her on uh, on. She's very very active on Twitter. Um, so we do follow her. I'm a fan. She comes in at the minus two hundred favorite, so that's that's pretty heavy. She's another good striker, but she can take you down, and she's actually pretty good on the ground as well. Um, I kind of like to. I I I feel like I always do this. I always lean to the female fighters. Typically, either going to decision or a submission win. Um, I'm going to say, man, this is tough. I'm going to go Hanson by decision. I think that the fight, I think that McKenna likes to wrestle a little bit. Um, Hanson though seems to have the wrestling advantage. At least if I'm looking at the stats right now, she's got, she averages two takedowns a fight averages almost or 1.2 submissions a fight. Um, so I think that McKenna is going to probably want to stay standing. I think that she has a disadvantage on the ground. Um, but I think Hanson also has the striking advantage. She has almost a 60% striking accuracy. So, uh, I'm going to go Hanson. I'm going to go decision. Yeah, this is an interesting fight. Um, so McKenna, Corey McKenna, she is the Hobbit. That's her nickname. Um, so you can imagine Kay Hanson. She has a five inch reach advantage. She's going to be the bigger fighter against the Hobbit. I'm sure it probably happens every time. Um, but these are both 21 year old prospects. Kay Hansen is just 1-0 in the UFC. She's actually a, a finisher. She has, what, six finishes out of her seven pro wins, so that's always solid. By, by what? She has four submissions, and she has two TKOs slash KOs. And that's impressive because we don't see too it many is. of those in the female divisions, unless you're Nunez or Shevchenko. Exactly. So uh, that's interesting to me. But McKenna, she is uh, Dana White Contender Series winner in, in August of 2020. Unanimous decision. So she just got her contract. I think this is her, should be her first fight in the UFC. Um, but she is pretty inexperienced. Not that Hansen is experienced. She only has 10 fights. But McKenna's only 5-1. and one, Just fought lesser competition at this point. Um, I am going to go with Hansen by submission. So we stick to the theory. It's either going to go to the cards or it's going to go uh, by submission. That's kind of that's kind of my theory that I've been running with. Um, so here we go. We got a pick 'em fight on our hands on this one. This next one, Brendan Allen versus Sean Strickland. Um, Brendan Allen again. He was supposed to fight um, Ian Heinish. I think it was last weekend. Got canned because of COVID. I don't know if, if Strickland had if just lost his opponent and Allen um, jumped in. I think he did because I think it's a catch weight fight. It is, yeah, yeah. one ninety. They're fighting. Yeah, so I mean, um, Allen comes in at a minus, or sorry, it's a pick'em fight. He's one minus one ten. Strickland's one hundred five. So, um, super super close. Strickland has twenty. He's twenty one and three. Allen's fifteen and three. Oh man, this is a tough fight. I like Brendan Allen a lot. He's pretty well rounded. He's got good striking. He's good on the ground. Um. He's the taller fighter, but he actually has a reach disadvantage. Just because I like Brandon Allen, I, I was really looking forward to the Heinish fight because I think they're both pretty similar. Um, it's tough. It's tough because I think I think overall both these guys are, are 
pretty even wrestling. But Allen has the sub advantage, I believe, and I think that he also has the striking advantage. I'm going to go Allen, and I'm going to go... I'm actually going to go decision on this one. Oh, man, that's what I had. Um, but, yeah, no, I think um, this is a, an interesting one. Strickland at 21-3, and three, that's a pretty insane record to have. And I was looking at him, and he started 13-0. and 0, So he enters the UFC 13-0, and 0, wins his first two UFC fights. So he starts his pro career 15-0, and 0, which is insane. Um, and then since then, I guess he's gone, what, 6-3. and 3. So pretty good success so far in the UFC, but he hasn't really made like a super big name for himself. Uh, meanwhile, Brendan Allen, he's kind of like the hot prospect. He's a Dana White Contender Series guy back in 2019. Currently 3-0 in the UFC. I think we said this before when we were yeah doing the Heinish fight. Uh, he subbed Kevin Holland. That's not easy to do. We've just seen Kevin Holland just destroying everyone in his way. So he has an amazing submission game. He's a tall, lanky guy. Uh, Strickland is actually pretty big. I think he's 6'2". I think Allen's 6'3". So they'll be pretty even in that regard. Uh, Strickland should, I think, I think he'll have the, the striking advantage. I don't think he'll have the ground game. To hang with Allen. So I, I'll go Allen, but I won't go decision. I'll take him by submission. I like that pick. I think if I when I'm looking at the numbers and previous fights, just Brendan Allen is just super well rounded, man. I really, mm-hmm. really like his game. Um and I really, really like this next fight. So we got Abdul uh Razak Al Hassan, and then we got Chaos the Ox Fighter Williams and <laughs> Bro, with that name, Chaos, come on, bro. Like, that's the man is going to inflict chaos. I, and I do believe that. Al Hassan did not impress me his last fight. I believe he lost. Um, how did, did, do you have that on you at all? The Yeah, so this, um, if you want me to go through it real quick, he's kind of got an interesting backstory. We'll call him Judo Thunder because that's a sick name. Um, but basically, uh, he was a pretty solid fighter. Then he had some sexual assault allegations to his name and it like went to trial and he literally missed like two years of fighting because of that and um then he comes back july 2020 this year and he had a unanimous decision loss so like he had been doing really good and then he had all this this weird trial stuff going on he ended up being i think uh not guilty but that definitely has got to play a factor in it. And I think he's already like 34, 35 years old, so we kind of miss him some prime years there. He beat um, Nico Price, dude. He did. He did. He has a notable win over Nico Price. So that was before all this craziness happened. I think he wins that fight. Then he goes on this two-year hiatus thing, and then now he comes back, struggles at his first fight back. Could be ring rusts. Could be, but I don't – so I'm looking at the stats here. I always look at these stupid stats, and I always sit here and <laughs> sound like a blabbler, blabbling idiot. Um, but I like Chaos Williams, man. Al Hassan, he lost his last fight by unanimous decision. Um, from what I remember, he got pieced up pretty good. Chaos is 10-1. and one. I like the record. They're pretty similar records. He's got the 4-inch reach advantage, which I think is going to be huge for him. Al Hassan is not a guy that really takes the fight to the ground too often, even though he's going to probably be the bigger as far as stronger guy. Um, but I like Chaos in this fight. I think he keeps his distance, and I'm going to go. Uh, I'm going to go Chaos Williams, and I'm going to go by knockout. This is it's an interesting fight, and it's interesting that the odds makers do have it at minus two fifteen for Judo Thunder. Just because of uh, you know Chaos Williams, he's only one and zero in the UFC, but he ended his fight in you know twenty seven seconds, huge knockout power there. But uh, so Judo Thunder also he has ten pro wins, all ten by knockout. So we're gonna see some some stuff fly here. This is gonna be a, a fireworks fight, and I don't know who's gonna get caught. I feel like this is actually a good opportunity to take Chaos Williams as like the plus what is he plus one eighty five. The plus 185 underdog. I mean, that seems pretty good odds just based on where the last two fights have been for each of these guys. Um, seems like the potential is there for Judo Thunder, but if he really just kind of went through all that craziness and maybe he just lost a step along the way, that could have a big factor here. So I'll um, I'll take Chaos Williams as well. How did you have him? Did you have him decision? No, I, I saw so that 27-second fight or whatever, I watched yeah. that fight ridiculous the dude's hands are so fast he's he's a killer bro i took him knockout 
So someone's going down. I think so, yeah. All right, I'll, I'll take Judo Thunder knockout because that will just be an awesome fight to watch, just going back and forth. Someone, someone's going down for sure. All right, so you switched it up. Alrighty, so then we get to the main event, and dude, my my month has been made. So those of you that listen to the <laughs> show know that I am a Irish Dragon Paul Felder fan through and through. Every time someone asks me who are your two favorite fighters all time or your favorite fighters, it's always Cowboy Paul Felder, Cowboy Paul Felder, and it's for these exact reasons. There are guys that are fighters, and then there are guys that are fighters, and to take someone a fight against RDA, who is a legend of the sport, on five days' notice and cut almost 20 pounds in four days or whatever it was, absolutely insane. He's fighting with this this refound momentum or energy. Like, I've been watching all his press conferences, and he's, like, kind of not, not like, reborn or whatever, but he seems like he's, he's just so much more focused. He was training for a triathlon. We know that he's going to be able to go five rounds. No issue if it goes five rounds. Um, this fight, I will say, cannot go to decision. Paul Felder loses so many close decision fights, and this is why. He wears damage terrible. The guy is always bloodied and battered in every single fight. He could get jabbed once. Next thing you know, he's split open, bleeding all over the place. And we just know that that's a bad look to the judges. They just, they don't, they don't like that look. It automatically looks bad. That fight against Hooker, I honestly thought that Paul Felder won that fight. In my honest opinion, I thought he won that fight. Um, But he looked like the worse off fighter based on damage. And I feel like when you don't look at the stats, like the judge don't, the judges don't. They look at that other stuff, and so not great look for Paul Felder. So I don't think this fight can go to a decision, but I think it's going to be a hell of a fight. Like I said, he's talking with like this newfound energy where he like almost felt like he was taking fighting for granted, and now he's like, you know what, dude? Like I'm just going to fight and just enjoy it. Like I'm going, I'm looking at this as I'm going in and fighting a legend, win or lose. Like I don't care, win or lose, it happens. He's like, but when it comes to like these memories, like I'm never going to forget the fact that I took a fight against RDA on five days notice and cut 20 pounds. Like, and I like that about Paul Felder because I'm not going to say he's totally out of winning the belt, but it's getting to that point where he's not really in the conversation. Maybe this win moves him a little bit, but RDA is number 12, I believe. So not, uh, he's not anywhere close. So, um, no, I just... I love Paul Felder, dude, and he comes in at the plus 185 underdog. I think that's a great bet to take. I'm going to go Paul Felder, and honestly, it's tough because RDA does not get knocked out, but the just because I'm a Paul Felder fan, I want to see Paul Felder go out and win this fight by knockout. If it's his last fight, I want him to put an exclamation point on it. I hope it's not. I hope he keeps fighting, um, But and, and you, you're, this fight is guaranteed to be a war. Every fight Paul Felder's in has always been exciting. So uh, I'm going to go Paul Felder. I'm going to go out on a limb and say KO or TKO, but most likely I don't. I, I kind of see it really going to decision, um, but I'm, I'm hoping uh, the Irish Dragon can get it done via knockout. I'm going Felder knockout. Yeah, you have to do that, right? That's your guy. You got you got to go for the Felder knockout. Like he, this first first and foremost, Paul Felder, absolute hero. Like what a stud. Just yeah. com- completely saves the moment. Like, you have a pretty good fight. Honestly, the, the way that this played out, it's actually a better fight to watch. I think the uh, the Islam Makachev, I think is his name. It was going to be a been... wrestling fight. Exactly. It would have be, been, yeah. been a worse fight. It's actually a tougher fight for RDA. Um, now you have Paul Felder step in. You know they're going to be striking, going back and forth. It. It's always a war when you see Paul Felder. Like when he fought Dan Hooker, they went back and forth the whole time. So Felder and Hooker go to split decision, which, as you said before, honestly could have went either way. But I think it's worth noting, like you know Felder, like when he gets into a fight, they're going to be striking back and forth no matter what. I think it is worth noting, though, that Felder has actually never been submitted. So I think that's going to play a key in this as well. But when you look at RDA, he's kind of had a, a weird up and down career. So obviously he's an absolute legend of the game, right? So he is the ex lightweight champion back in 2015. Even defended that against Cerrone. 
ends up losing it. Then he moves up a weight class, fights at 170, finds success there, gets the interim uh, title shot against Colby Covington, loses that, has a follow-up fight with Usman, loses that. Then he beats Kevin Lee, I believe, back at 155, goes back up to 170, loses to Leon Edwards, loses to Chiesa, Michael Chiesa also at 170. Now he's coming back down to 155. So he's had like a wild ride of a career. Um, technically, yes, he has dropped four of his last fights. But, dude, everyone I just named right there is an absolute killer. So and he's an ex-champion. Like he's fought the best of the best. He's been at the very top of a division. So this is no easy feat for Paul Felder to walk into here and think he's going to win this fight. Um, but... As I said before, Paul Felder, never been submitted, amazing striker, tough as nails, goes to war. I, I would love to see RDA win this fight, uh, but I really, really, really want to see Paul Felder win this fight. And I, I'll go with decision. I would hope it doesn't go to decision, but I can definitely see it going that way just based on the, the expertise of these two fighters, the skill sets that they have. Uh, TKO finish would be awesome, but I'll go decision, Paul Felder. I love it. This finally puts... It's sad because Paul Felder's such a great fighter and it just... It took this. It took him taking a fight on five days notice and cutting 20 pounds for people to be like, man, this man's a badass. Like, the casual <laughs> the casual fan, which is so sad yeah. because this has been Paul Felder forever. Like, and it's sad. But, you know, at least he's starting to get that notoriety a little late in my opinion. But it de- definitely just throws him into... He's a legend. Is he a Hall of Famer? Uh, probably not. But he's a legend of the sport. He's one of the greats of the sport. Um, just, you know, his skill set's good. He's he's always down to fight, um, always puts on a great show, great performance. And, uh, yeah, I just – it sucks. I think he'll go down as one of the better fighters to not win a belt or even probably fight for the belt. Um, just a good career, very, very good career. And I, I, I hope he doesn't win or lose and retire. Like, I want him to retire when he's officially done retiring. My heart can't take him retiring a thousand times because I don't want to see the day that him and Cowboy are no longer fighting are going to be sad days for me because I look forward to their fights all the time. I I think he'll stick around. And I did remember seeing an article, I think it came out today, that was just saying that he thinks if he wins this fight, then he has potential to eventually maybe get to the belt. He thinks that if he wins, he can do it. But he also said... If he loses, he won't retire because he wants to go out with a win. So I think either way, we're going to see him continue fighting, which is awesome. But and he did really, say that if he beats RDA, that that could be a good way to go out. It, it would be. You know, like that's that would be a good way to go out. But it's weird, yeah, because he's training for a triathlon, stays in amazing shape. He was able to get this weight cut done in four or five days with 15-plus pounds. When you look at his last few fights, like – Say he wins that hooker fight, the previous fight before that, he beat Edson Barbosa. Before that, he beat James Vick, who's a pretty tough opponent. He has a win over Charles Oliveira. Like, he has beaten elite competition. Like, he doesn't fight all that often, but when he does, man, he, I mean, he's not, maybe not as good as anyone, but he definitely belongs, like, in the top tier. And he is rocking a sick mustache. So I don't know if RDA will have the mustache or not. Oh, uh, this, man. This weekend, but could be battle of the stashes. <laughs> Dude, that would be awesome. I'd love to see that. Movember, right? Let's go. Yeah, I'm I'm all for it. I hope that I hope it happens. That'd be pretty sweet, I'm not gonna lie. Yeah, man. I think um just yeah, like I said, first and foremost, the dude's a hero. He just stepped in and and just what were they gonna do? Just cancel the main event and just bump people up? Like that would have sucked. Now we have like a legitimate awesome fight to watch. So hats the off Irish, to Felder. The Irish dragon strikes again. Thank you, Paul, for your service. <laughs> Seriously, we, we thank you. <laughs> um, any last thoughts? Um, no, not really. I think uh, I think we got everything. We got the Twitter polls, right? We didn't have any fan questions this week, no voicemail. Um, so, yeah, I think I'm good on my end. All right, everyone, and I'm good on my end. So thank you for listening. Make sure all of you go subscribe to our channel on YouTube. Go follow us on Twitch. Follow us on Twitter, Coffee and KOs. You can't miss us. Um, And, you know, just keep showing love and support. Really appreciate it. Make sure that uh, you tell everyone about us.
And uh, we look forward to seeing you and talking to you all next week. Thanks again, everyone, and we'll see you.